So it is our great joy and privilege once more to open up the Word of God, to be instructed and encouraged by it. So Jesus is teaching his disciples and the people, and he's trying to get them to understand spiritual truth. He's trying to introduce them to God. He's trying to talk to them about who God is. They are not really listening like they should be listening. They're not really clear on exactly how this all goes, no matter how clear Jesus makes it. And so Jesus is going to give some illustrations, some um, parables. He's going to speak to them in parables. And he's going to try to talk to them to get them to think through as simply as he can, certain eternal truths. And you would think that they and we could read these and see clearly what Jesus is trying to say. It's interesting. We continue to live in a culture that is kind of willfully, like his culture, quite blind to the truths. So he starts out in Luke chapter 6, verse 39, and he speaks this parable And he says to them, a blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? They'll end up both falling into a pit. So parables are extended analogies. They're trying to teach spiritual truth through something that is plain and simple to understand. Obviously, if you have a blind person and they're trying to lead another blind person... um, you know, it's probably not going to go really well. We live in an enormously complex world, and oftentimes we are blind to truth because sin enters into our world, and sin tends to complicate everything. Sin tends to make even what would appear to be simple things complex. And so if you're going to navigate the sinful world in a way that is pleasing to God, in a way that actually works and brings glory to God, we're going to need people who have some clarity and some ability to see the truth that's in God's word. If we approach the world without God and without God's truth and refuse to acknowledge God, well, then, then these are people who are blind. And this is, this is exactly who Jesus was talking about. People who really didn't know God and really didn't understand God, but they wanted to get out there and tell everybody, follow me, follow me, I'll lead you. Uh, Okay, do you actually know God? Do you actually understand who God is? Are you actually, uh, uh, are you paying attention to what God is doing? We, when we walk through this world, we use our eyes a lot. In fact, I think we just kind of take it for granted, but you avoid furniture, you avoid doors, you avoid walls. Um, we just walk around stuff, step up on sidewalks, step down when you get to the other side of the sidewalk, the dog, try to navigate around that. Imagine that there was a field out there full of, of pits and dangerous things, and someone who is completely blind says to you, oh, follow me, I'll, I'll lead you through that. You know, they may be the nicest person in the world. They, they may be intelligent and pleasant. I'm not really sure we want to just go follow the blind person across the, the field that's got a lot of pits in it, a lot of places to fall down into it. 
we need, in fact, to choose a little better and to try to find people who can actually see the pitfalls, see the errors, see the lies that the devil tells. If we are going to be godly and try to lead godly lies, we're going to do a whole lot better if we actually try to find people who are trying to lead godly lives. Follow them. Find people who actually know what the Word of God says. And if we go to them, we can get the Word of God from them. Because ultimately, he goes on to give another illustration and says, just remember this, the pupil is not above his teacher. But everyone, after he has been fully trained by his teacher, is going to be like his teacher, which, of course, your teacher can only teach you what they know, right? So if you go to someone to teach you something, be careful. Now, children don't have as much of a choice in this, but as adults, we decide who we're going to have to teach us. Choose your teachers wisely. Choose your teachers carefully because ultimately you're going to become like your teacher and you're not going to be able to blame your teacher. I mean, if you chose them, if you decided that you were going to follow Joseph Smith or you're going to follow Sun Yun Moon or you're going to follow Mary Baker Eddy or someone like that, if, if you say, all right, their teachings are the teachings I'm going to follow, well, come the day of judgment and you stand before God, you're not going to be able to say, well, I don't know, Mary Baker Eddy said. God is going to look at you like, well, why did you listen to her? I gave you my word. I gave you the Bible. I gave you truth. You walked away from it to go listen to someone who didn't believe the Bible. You're not going to be able to blame your teacher for that. So be careful who you pick as your teacher. Let's just say that you decided out of the blue here that you wanted to become an airplane pilot. Okay, so you come to me and you say, you know, you teach. I'd like you to teach me to be an airplane pilot. Okay, well, let's see. Uh, you pull back on the stick, it goes up. You push on it, it goes down. You push it to the right, it goes right. You push it to the left, it goes left. Maybe I could give you some kind of an explanation of what to do with your feet on the rudder. Uh, okay, there you go. Anybody want to get in a plane with me? And, uh, you know, you're the pilot and I'm the co-pilot? Uh, no, that's not going to go too well. Now, if you actually want to be a pilot, well, you know, we've got several folks in this church who their profession is to take people who aren't pilots and make them pilots. Uh, you don't want me teaching you how to fly a plane. I don't really have any idea how that all goes. But Brian and Steve and others, and it's, uh, they teach people. You want to pick a teacher who's actually going to be able to teach you. Why? Well, because they know the information. They are experienced. They actually have sat in the seat of a plane for thousands of hours. And now they're going to be able to fully instruct you. In fact, these guys have instructed some of the finest pilots in the U.S. Air Force. That is who you want. You want people who know what they're doing. You come to me, talk about the blind leading the blind here. Hey, we get a plane together, we're, we're not going to live through this. We, are, we might get off the ground. That might happen. We're never going to land that thing. I mean, it, do you want to make sure that you have chosen your teachers? When you turn on the TV or you turn on the radio 
or you go to some website and you start reading what people have to say, be careful. Be wise. Put your thinking cap on. Be careful just like, well, I don't know, some guy on the radio said, or some lady on the radio said. Be very careful, because if you listen to blind people, you're going to be instructed by people who are blind. And it's one of those illustrations that so clearly makes sense, right? If you want to learn math, go to a mathematician, right? Go to people who know and who are doing the things that you want to learn, If you want to find out about God, if you want to understand who God is, one of the best people to look to is Jesus. In fact, Jesus will state very clearly in multiple places. He will say in the book of Luke here as we get further on into it in chapter 10, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father and who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Jesus is saying, if you want to know the Father, well, come study me and you will understand the Father. John 10, he says, even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, so I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus says, I know the Father. He will also say in John, no one has seen God at any time except the only begotten of God, who is in the bosom of of the Father. He has explained him. That's Jesus. If you want to be more godly, you need to study the life of Jesus. No one that has, uh, not that any man has seen the Father, except the one who is from God, he has seen the Father. Jesus is like, look, if you want to understand God, understand what I'm telling you. He tells him in John 14, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip says to him, and that, great famous verse, well, Lord, show us the Father, and and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus looks at him and says, have I been so long with you? Don't you understand? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Jesus is the Father. This is the Trinity. This is Jesus is God in the flesh. God became a man and walked on this earth and his name was Jesus. So if we want to know about God and we want to be more godly and we want to live a more godly life, we have to study the life and teaching of Jesus. I mean, if we know Jesus, then we know God. There's no daylight between them. I mean, the will of God is Jesus' will. It's not like It's not like Jesus has got his own will here. It's not like Jesus came down here to kind of do his own thing. Jesus came down here to do the will of the Father. If we want to be godly, if we want to reap eternal reward on the day of judgment, we need to understand the life and the teaching of Jesus. Where do we find that? Where do we get that? That's in the word of God. This is why we continuously emphasize the scriptures. We continuously go back to them. We, we exegete them. We teach them. We study them. We, we talk about them and think about them. Why? Paul will write, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. What? So that we may all be adequate before God and equipped to do every good work. This is what the word of God does. 
So when the day of judgment comes, you're going to be judged on how well did you understand and obey the word of God. Now, obviously, come the day of judgment, I'm going to be accountable for the things that I've taught and the things that I've said from this pulpit and the, and the things that I've taught you. But remember, you also have a responsibility as a Berean to make sure that the things I teach you are so. This is why I sometimes smile when, and, and this does happen, people come up to me and say, so, so what do we believe about? And then they'll ask me some question. And I, and I always try to be nice, but I also try to make it clear that, well, let me explain to you what, I believe, but ultimately you've got to, and I encourage you, you study the scriptures to make sure that this is what you believe. Don't just, don't just look at me and say, well, this is what the pastor believes, so that's what I believe. Um, there's a sense, of course, in which certain things you just don't have 10 years to study them. Uh, but on the whole, you want to make sure you understand the word of God. You want to make sure that it makes sense to you. And that the things that you're studying are, are clear. And if I get up here and say something to you and you kind of look at me like, wait a minute, I'm reading the Bible myself and I, I'm not really seeing what you're saying here. By all means, please come talk to me. Uh, it's, it's, I'll be nice. It's okay. We can have the discussion. I, I'm doing my best to try to exegete the word of God in such a way that not only are you able to understand it, you, I'm hoping are able to look and see how I got there. So that when you go back and you read it for yourself, you can say, oh yeah, that makes sense. That is a reasonable interpretation of that passage. And so I want to, that's what I believe. Good. I'm, you know, I hope we're all on the same page for pretty much everything, although you know, I'm sure if we talked enough, we could find some things. But on the whole, you need to understand the word of God so that you can live what it says. This is, by the way, why being an elder of a church is a very high standard. Uh, It's important that you not just know it, but that you also have a high standard of, uh, of life that you live. Because ultimately, as you attend this church, whether you choose to or not, you are going to end up reflecting the things that I teach. You're going to become like your teacher. I should probably be careful about saying that. You know, come back next week and nobody's here. You, you need to realize, and this is why it's really important as you seek out a, a church, that you find someone who understands the scriptures, who understands. It is the revelation of Jesus that transforms us. This is a truth we should never forget or ever move beyond. The better we understand Jesus, the more transformed we will be. This is what John says to us in John chapter 3. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it doesn't appear fully what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Now I want you to stop and think about that verse. Speaking of exegeting correctly, when do we become like Jesus and why? 
John explains clearly, when we see him, we will be completely transformed into his image because, well, because God is just going to wave a magic wand and it's just poof, and there we are. We're all going to be like Jesus. What do you know? Is that what the verse says? Because that's not what the verse says. The verse is very clear about why we will become like Jesus. 1 John 3, 2. We will see him as he is. We will see full truth. And when we see the full truth, we will be fully transformed. We will become like Jesus because... For the first time, clearly, not, not, not murky, not cloudy, not through the sin of, of this life and our own sin nature and our own difficulty. And for the first time, with absolute, utter clarity, we will see Jesus for who he really is. And it will completely transform who we are for eternity. We will never be the same person for eternity. It's true today. We become more like the image of Christ the more we understand him. This is why we can't be blind. That's why we become like our teachers, and our teachers better teach us about Jesus. Jesus is not a simple person. The life of Jesus is a life of complexity. Jesus is, to study the Gospels is work. It's difficult there are things that Jesus says and, and does that we have to wrestle with. Jesus loves with an absolute perfect love. We like that. That's good. Jesus also condemns sin. Jesus, I mean, you read Matthew chapter 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you snakes, you vipers. I'm kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. This is Jesus too? Yes. And we need to have a a concept of Jesus that can incorporate both of those things into our view of Jesus. Because ultimately, we want to live a life that brings honor and glory to Jesus. And if we're going to do that in a way that's going to transform us and transform this world, we need to understand Jesus. Does he forgive? Absolutely. Unbelievable forgiveness. Jesus hanging on the cross, praise Father, forgive them. They really don't understand what they're doing. That's not a message of universalism. It's not like every single person Jesus is looking out on there all get saved. But God doesn't hold that sin to their charge. Because if he did, they'd all be destroyed. I mean, that, that. So Jesus is praying for them. He's hanging there innocent. These people are all guilty, but what is he? Kind and compassionate to them. Why is he kind and compassionate to them and praying for their forgiveness, and yet Matthew 23 is still sitting there, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, vipers and, and hypocrites. Why is that? Well, because Jesus loves people. Jesus loves the saints. Jesus loves folks who come to God and seek to worship him. Why did Jesus drive out the money changers? Well, because when people came to worship God, they were exploiting them. These people had taken over the worship of God. They'd taken over the temple complex, and they were using it to enrich themselves. 
They were causing people who came with truth and sincerity to come worship God. By the time they finally got putting that sacrifice in the priest's hands, they were, they were just so outraged and so taken advantage of that they just loathed the, the sacrifice. They loathed the whole sacrificial system because it was nothing but a series of exploitations, a, a way to just take their money from them. Jesus drives them out. Saying, oh, what is with you? Where did you people think that you got off getting in here into my father's house, which is supposed to be a house of prayer, and turn it into a den of thieves? Jesus acts like that towards them out of genuine righteousness, zeal for the holiness of God, and compassion for the people who are trying to come to God. It is a great balance that Jesus brings to this. Yes, he's angry, righteously angry. Yes, he drives them out with a whip. And if you think about it, one guy clearing the whole outer court, which is a fairly large area, he just drives them all out, just one guy. That's a lot of zeal. That's a lot of personal, he was a guy, you got out of the way. Why? Because Jesus was powerful in, in, in this moment. This zeal drove him. When we think about the life of Jesus, and we should think about it often, just remember, this is the pivotal life of all mankind. Our calendar literally is before Jesus, after Jesus. This is 2019. 2019 years since what? A little fudging in the calendar, but more or less, since Jesus was born. It's never been the same. And that is, in fact, the case. This world has never been the same. We need to go into our world, and we need to talk to them about Jesus. That's why we need to be careful about getting too caught up in politics. You don't have to get caught up in politics. Just talk about Jesus. Just talk about what God actually says in his word. Talk about God being the creator. Talk about God creating man. Talk about the life of Christ. Talk about what the Bible actually says. You know, springtime and harvest, summer and winter, until the end. God put his bow in the clouds as a covenant that he was never going to destroy the earth through extreme weather. That all sound kind of familiar. All we have to do is just talk about the Bible and what it says. And this is what God says. This is what we need to bring into our society. The life of Jesus is the life we need to talk about. He is the person we need to exalt. We live in a world filled with lies. The devil has... And particularly, as you just kind of watch our society, we are descending into, and huge groups of people are just buying into the lies of the devil. We must speak truth. We have a bunch of people who are blind standing up saying, follow me, follow me. And then they stand up and spout a bunch of lies of the devil. And so many of our culture, so much of our culture, is following them and listening to them and just willing to take whatever they say. We, as believers, need to stand up and speak truth. When I started ministry, there was a great push, which 
wait till you hear here. I'm not sure that, that we even have this discussion anymore. Not that I've heard much. When I started ministry, we were trying to, as a society, get rid of, and I think we've kind of got there, we get rid of the concept of sin. When's the last time you turned on the news or the radio and actually heard the word sin? Does anybody even talk about sin anymore? We don't talk about sin. We're having a big discussion about whether or not there's actually evil. Is there anything that's actually evil, let alone sin? And what happened was we substituted the concept of sin with the concept of sickness. You're not sinful. You're just sick. You've gotten some kind of an illness. So here you are afflicted with this illness. And what it causes you to do is is when you go into stores, you take stuff that's not yours and you stash it in your clothes or in your purse or wherever you can. and, And you have the sickness of kleptomania. It's just, I don't know, I just got it from somewhere. It's not sin. You're not covetous. You're not greedy. You're not dishonest. You're not a, you're not a crook. you are just got this sickness that somehow affected your mind, and it's caused you to somehow think that you can take stuff that's not yours. And, um, well, we need to have you sit down and talk to someone. Okay, so you sit down and talk to someone. Exactly who is it you're going to sit down and talk to? Who are these professionals who have this ability to somehow magically help you think right? Exactly how do they think? Are they the blind leading the blind? Here's the problem. What exactly is normal? If you can't answer what's normal, how in the world are you going to help anybody else think what's normal. And if you don't have a model, if you don't have a measure, if you don't have a standard, if you can't say, well, normal is here to here, what are you left with? You're left with whatever uh, they happen to think. Go to this person, they tell you this. Go to that person, they tell you that. The, the door is just wide open to, uh, let's see, what was that lie? I mean, you're all thinking of it already, right? You, too, can be a god and know good and evil all on your own. The exact lie Satan told Eve. And so we have an entire society where everyone can just do what's right in their own eyes. And if you're you're paying attention, okay, so you go to some professional and you say to them, not you, but someone. We'll say someone goes to them and they say, I have this problem. Okay, which problem? My right arm is not mine. I don't know where this thing came from. I look at it. This appendage does not fit on me. It is foreign to me. I don't like it. It, 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 It's just sticking out there. I don't know what to do with it. I don't even know where it came from. I just woke up one morning, and here it is, and it's hanging out there, and I want you to cut it off. I want you to get rid of it. Okay. Exactly how are we going to deal with that? Uh, You would think... You you would think that we might kind of go, well, you know, that is your right arm, after all. And if we take that thing off, you might miss it a little later down the road here. And I'm not really sure that the solution here is for us to schedule surgery for you in 28, 48 hours for you to go in and get your arm cut off. So that'll make you feel better because it won't be there anymore. Just wait. 
Just wait. We're heading there. We're heading there because we've already opened the door to that. We have men who wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and go, I'm a woman. Oh, well, let's fix that. And you can go in and you can fix that. We are already there as a society where you just get to declare whatever you want to declare. You can become whatever you want to become. We need to talk to our society and the thing that's going to work, if anything, is to come back to God is the creator. This is his world. He made you. Male and female made he them. That's it. Two. And we need to speak truth into our society. Will they hate us for it? Of course they will. We don't need to be angry. It's not a matter of being upset. Frankly, if if some poor guy wakes up in the morning and and thinks he's a woman, I mean, we should have compassion on this person, kindness on this person. We we should come alongside them with gentleness and, and kindness and try to help them think through how in the world they got at this place. But reality, see, if you... If you take God out of the equation, reality is wherever you think it is. You can just make up your own reality. You can do whatever's right in your eyes. You, you can just act however you want to act. Your rules are your rules. Your standards are your standards. And we can't, we can't be imposing anybody else's standards on you. Uh, but once you come back to, wait, God is the creator and God created you. The reason you are who you are is because this is how God wanted you to be. And you need to get your life right with God. Ultimately, folks, we are all going to stand before God and give an account for our lives. You hate to break it to our society, but this world is temporary. You're not going to be here forever. I know you think you're going to be, particularly the younger you are, the more you think that, that you're just going to be here forever. No, you're not. And the day is going to come, you're going to depart this life, and you are going to give an account to God. And God is going to ask what you did with truth. This is why, as believers, we need to speak about Jesus and how transformative he is and the truth that he brought. Jesus presented the highest moral standard ever seen in mankind. No one has ever exceeded the morality of Jesus. No one's life has ever changed this world like the life of Jesus. I mean, Jesus never wrote any books, but no one's ever had more books written about them than Jesus. Jesus didn't even gather up any money, but no one's had more money given in the name and their name than the name of Jesus. Jesus marshaled no army, yet no army has ever claimed the number of followers that Jesus has and people willing to give their lives on his behalf. The, the life of Jesus is astounding. And We should speak about Jesus into our society. Do not let them silence you. Speak Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Speak about the life of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus and the truth of Jesus. Because our world is being led by blind people who are leading them into pits. They're falling into pits. We offer the love of God and the compassion of God and the forgiveness of God. The the life of Jesus is a life of sacrifice so that we can be reconciled with God. This is the gospel. 
The gospel is God will forgive. God will reconcile. You can figure out what you're doing here and why you belong here and, and what the purpose of your life is. And you're not just a complex chemical reaction. You're not just a big cosmic accident or a bunch of matter collided together until it formed a star and then it formed a planet and who in the world knows what there and a bunch of accidents happened until us. We're the biggest accident of all. Isn't that great? We're the pinnacle of the accidents. We stand at the top of the heap. Really? Really? No, we are the creation of God made in his image. We have value and worth. God made us to bring honor and glory to him. This is truth. We must speak truth. Our society so desperately needs it. Because what if you remove God and we're just, just pay any attention at all and you can watch what happens when you remove God. You remove God and anything is true. Everything is true. You have your version of truth. They have their version of truth. Everybody has their own version of truth. And what do we have? An entire generation, an entire society filled with, we, we have the most physical abundance, the most material abundance. We live lives that would make Solomon jealous. And we have the biggest drug problem ever. We sell more antidepressants than the history of mankind. We got more miserable people who are disgruntled and unhappy and Really? You're kidding me. We are living at the pinnacle of mankind. And yet we're miserable. Why? Because we believe a bunch of lies as a society. They just fill our society. We must speak truth. It's what transforms. Why will you be like Jesus? You will be like Jesus because you will see him In truth. And then you'll be like him. So the more we speak the truth about Jesus, the more we introduce the world to Jesus, the more we understand and live like Jesus, the more transformative our lives will be. This is what we're called to do. We are called to help the blind see. We are called to be the teachers that other people can emulate. We are to know our Bible so that we can talk to the world about the Bible. Understand God so we can speak to people about God. They're going to face the day of judgment. We need to help them think carefully about that. Because we love them. We care for them. These are our friends and neighbors and fellow people on this planet. Don't we want to share with them the truth? Maybe they don't want to hear it, but don't we want to share it? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you give us truth. We thank you for your word and the preservation of it. We thank you just how miraculous it is that we hold within our hands your word, how you watched over it, and and we can feel confident that it is, in fact, your truth. Lord, help us to not be ashamed, but to speak it and to live it, to be kind, to be compassionate, to be gentle and loving, but 
still speak truth, knowing that we will be ridiculed and mocked and hated, but we will simply join the long line of people throughout the history of the world from Abel on down who were faithful to you and true who suffered for it. May we not think that that suffering is somehow um, because we're not doing it well. Oftentimes, it's exactly because we are speaking truth. Help us to know how to speak the truth. Guide us, bless us. We pray for our nation and our world and our leaders. Lord, we ask for your mercy. We ask for your kindness. We ask for a great and mighty sweeping of your spirit across our worlds to bring the gospel and for people to hear it and believe it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.